You'll notice there were no handouts at the back, so that means we're interrupting our Sunday evening series for a couple of weeks. Let me explain why, uh, or give you a few reasons why anyway. Uh, the heaven, uh, heaven is the next topic that's coming up, and I was studying pretty well along on it, and then I found one more big book I wanted to read about it. Uh, so I knew it was going to be a little tight to get it done for this week. And then about two weeks ago, my schedule started disintegrating. Uh, and I, <laughs> I looked at him and I said, I think we better just recalibrate things here and put heaven off for a couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> assuming we have that power. Uh, the main problem is know your Bible. And I thought in explaining this, I some of you might be interested in what's going on there. Uh, if you watch Channel 3 News, you'll notice a few months ago they went to high definition on all their news stuff. They completely changed the news set and uh, their process. And when they do that, they tear the whole place up and they tore our setup. Uh, they moved into the room we used to be in. And so for a few weeks, a number of weeks, we were taping on kind of a temporary set. And you could probably tell if you've been watching Know Your Bible. It wasn't the greatest set in the world, but we were kind of over in a corner. Uh, and then once they got everything else moved, they had to build us a set. So we've been doing that, and they're slow at that. Uh, plus, all their production process changed. The whole way we give them graphics and everything to put on the screen, uh, and they're slow at that. So it just keeps... Dragging, and finally all of that kind of hit the last two weeks. Uh, so finally this last week on Thursday, right before conference, Toby and I went and uh, did a tech rehearsal, kind of through all the new stuff and found all the bugs. And Anyhow, we're about back to taping, but uh, it's going to look better and, and be better when we get done, but it has really messed things up the last few weeks. Uh, that and the conference and everything else, I thought, ah, let's take two weeks and talk about something else that will be good for us. And uh, I want to just continue in Romans chapter 12 uh, from where we started this morning. Uh, I'll spend the next two Sunday nights just finishing up that chapter or get as far as we can. We may not get it, get it uh, completed because there's a lot of things in there. The rest of chapter 12, starting in verse 9, is kind of a strange passage. Uh, it's a little different than most anything else that Paul wrote. Uh, what I thought of when I read it is what happens at home sometimes. Uh, in the kitchen on the end of the counter uh, where you come in through the garage door, uh, that's kind of my corner. That's where I put my phone and my keys when I come in. And uh, bills that have to be paid stay there for a little while until I take them down to the office and Anyhow, that's kind of my little corner. Well, occasionally, somebody will put a note on that little corner. And it, just, it doesn't say, Dear Stephen, or anything. It just says, Fix this, move this, pick up this, do this, do this, do this. I get a to-do list. I'm not sure where it comes from. It just appears. Uh, occasionally, it will say, Please, on it. Uh, but usually it's just, do this. And I know what it means. I know I'm supposed to do those things. Uh, I know that I'm supposed to do those things, even though they aren't connected. They don't make any sense together. 
They're just random things. I understand that I'm supposed to do those because it's my responsibility. I'm being told this is my to-do list. That's kind of what the last of Romans chapter 12 strikes me as. Uh, Paul starts out and says the things we talked about this morning. Uh, Therefore, because of the mercies of Christ, give your bodies a living sacrifice. Uh, That's your spiritual worship. Uh, Use the gifts that you've got. He goes through all that, and then he just starts this to-do list. And they aren't really related. They're not all tied together. They're just kind of random things that you're supposed to do, that we're supposed to do as Christians. So uh, I entitled these two lessons, The Christian's To-Do List. Uh, There's a whole lot of variety in there. There's all sorts of... And it's kind of interesting. He doesn't elaborate on them. He doesn't give you any explanation or why you ought to do this or why this one needs to be done or what this one means. Uh, They're not connected to each other. It's just a interesting little uh, few verses of a Christian's to-do list. So that's how I'm going to approach it. Uh, we're going to look at each one and try to figure out uh, what it means. That's part of our goal. Uh, but our main goal is to make it applicable. Okay? If we're supposed to do all the things we talked about this morning, if this is our spiritual worship, to give our bodies as a living sacrifice, and serve with whatever gift we have and all that, then this is our responsibility. We've got to get it done. Uh, it doesn't, under, doesn't help just to, to read it. If I read my to-do list and say, okay, I understand all that, and lay it back down and don't do it, you know, I, I'm in big trouble then. Uh, I, I better do my to-do list. And let's think about this one that way also. So let's tackle a few of these, see how far we get tonight. Uh, first one, NIV translation says, love must be sincere. Uh, some translations say, love others sincerely. Uh, some say, love must be without hypocrisy. Well, I think we understand that one pretty well. Uh, we're supposed to love others, that's... The new commandment, we, we know that's all through the Bible. As a uh, New Testament people, we're supposed to love. And sincerely or without hypocrisy uh, means it's got to be real love. And our job, if we're going to apply this, is how do we decipher or de- determine real love from fake love? Well... When Paul describes love, how does he describe it in 1 Corinthians 13? Is it a kind of a theoretical definition, or is it action? Well, it's easy. It's action. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does this. Love does that. Love does not do this. Okay? So he's telling us here in Romans chapter 12... Uh, you got to love each other, and love is supposed to be sincere. It's not supposed to be hypocritical. It's not supposed to be fake. We can look like we love each other. We can hug each other and greet each other and shake hands and, and on and on, and if one of us has 
troubles, or all of us have troubles, and that's all we do is greet each other and say hi and have a great week and all that. That's fake love. Love must be sincere. If we really love each other, we would do something. There's actions to it. Uh, now, I think there's a couple of, I hate to call them exceptions, but I don't know what other uh, word to use. I just want to make sure we don't end up kind of guilting ourselves about this. Uh, when I said all of us have troubles, uh, that means we could be doing something for everybody in here if we really love them. Well, there's a timing problem. <laughs> there's a, a priority problem. You know, some people have their life filled with uh, caregiving a loved one or something like that where that's all they can get done. You know, So the reason I'm saying this is if they're listening to this and say, okay, well, I know old so-and-so has a problem and I know they need help and I feel bad I can't help them. Well, if you're doing the Lord's work, if you're loving somebody sincerely to the max that you can physically and emotionally handle it, you're doing the Lord's work. You can't help everybody. So there's some lines, some boundaries to be drawn there. And I don't think that prohibits us from loving everybody sincerely, is doing what we can within our abilities. Uh, the other exception, I would say sometimes, is, is because sometimes somebody will say, well, if you love me, you'd take care of this, or you'd do this, or you'd fix this. Well, some people don't do their part. And some people, you can work as hard as you can for as long as you can to love them sincerely and help them, and they'll wear you out. And at some point, you have to say, no, I'm drawing the line here. I do love you sincerely, but I can't do everything for you. you got to do this for yourself. Okay? And I think that's all right for Christians to draw lines, to, to recognize that people have responsibilities. We can't do everything for everybody, and especially certain people we can't do everything for. I think it's a very good practice to tell people like that, okay, I want to help you, I'd, I'll work with you as much as you can, but you do this first. And give them an assignment. Give them something to do that they can do. And say, when you get that done, as you're doing, if you get that done, I'll do this for you. Okay. You've you got to do that with some folks. Now, the overall picture is still true. The little to-do list says you love others sincerely. I don't think we ought to be phony about our love. I don't think we ought to just ignore people and brush them off and all that. But there's a couple of situations where you just can't do everything. But the love sincerely, I think that's a, a fairly simple one. Everybody gets that one. Okay, the next one, that's a little tougher in this culture. This one's a tough one for us. Paul says, hate what is evil. Hate what is evil. Now, 
we probably have a little better grasp of that right now since we just got through the series about sin, free from sin. And we looked at sin for a couple of weeks. We found out how bad it really is and why it's so bad. Because it's so against God's nature and because of what it does to us. So we ought to really hate sin. Uh, and as we talked about that in the, the series, we said, you know, the more Christ-like we are, the more we're like God, the more we will hate sin. Well, we've, we've put up with a lot of sin. We tolerate it. We ignore it. We endure it. We excuse it. Uh, we do also. We don't hate sin as much as we ought to, probably. And I know that a little bit judgmental to say all of us, but I think I see a few nods out there. You agree. Really hating evil, uh, you know, we've got to get more Christ-like. We've got to get more God-like to do that. We pointed out that the more it's affected our family, the more we hate it. The more experience we've had with it, the more we hate sin and evil. Uh, hate what is evil? One good way to think about that maybe is think of something you, you really hate. Maybe if we're going to get applicable here, if you're going to apply this. Think of something you hate, and what do you do about it if you see one? You know, if you really, really hate spiders, what happens if you spot one in the house? You know, you, you'll go till you get it. You know, you, you don't want it in the house. I'm going to kill that thing and get it out of here. Okay. Uh, I thought of spiders. I don't really hate spiders. I don't like them, but they don't drive me crazy. But I thought of another bug. Uh, wasps. Wasps don't really bother me, other than it's kind of hard to say, wasps. But they... <laughs> one of our boys, I can't remember which one, called them swaps for a long time. He hit it <laughs> the way it came out. But... Uh, I don't usually don't mind that. We lived in a house one time that was on a body of water on, on a lake, and there were more wasps there than anywhere we'd ever lived. And they had nests up in the eaves of the house and all that, and they didn't bother me too much. You'd see one, you'd brush it away. But one day I was washing the car, and this one wasp, I can't forget it, I remember hearing the buzz as he got closer to my ear. I heard this buzz approaching, and then he stung me right there on the tip of the ear. I mean, I didn't aggravate him. I was just washing the car, and he flew right down from his nest and zinged me, and the whole side of my head went numb. You know, I mean, I don't know if I'm allergic to it or what, but, man, he gave me a jolt. I went inside. I told Sandy I'm going over Tractor Supply and get some wasp spray. I went over Tractor Supply, and I said, show me the wasp spray, and I read every label, and anything that had a different ingredient in it, I bought it. I bought every kind of wasp spray they had. Whatever chemical was a little bit different, I bought that sucker. Took all these cans home, and I went to war. Okay? I was circling the house looking for wasp nests, and I was testing this one, and then I'd try this one and see what worked better. And then I'd go back inside for about 20 minutes, and then I'd come out until they'd started coming out of their nests again, and I'd dose them again. I spent the rest of the day at war with wasps. Okay? I hated the suckers. 
You know, I, they made me so mad, I was going to clear them out of the house. Get, get them clear off the property. Okay, if you've got something like that, if there's something in your life that scares you so bad or you hate so bad, or something, now all of a sudden switch that and think about evil. Do you act like that with evil? Or do you see it on TV and say, oh, well, that's not so bad. Or do you see it in a book you're reading or a movie you're at and say, oh, well, that's all right. Or are you at war with it? The word he used here is hate what is evil. Okay, third, he says, cling to what is good. And it may sound kind of like the opposite of hate what's evil, and probably is in some ways. Uh, The word he uses for good, I looked that up, and it's kind of a interesting uh, connotation of good. It means what's morally good. And the other meaning of it is what's good for us. Good for a productive Christian life. Not just like a flower can be good or a mountain scene can be good. or something. It's a whole different kind of good. This is what's morally good. This is what's good for us. This is what helps us be better. Uh, church attendance. Bible reading. Prayer, uh, time with God, serving, all those things are this kind of good. And Paul says, cling to what is good. Not just know that it's good and approve of it and all that, but hold on to it. Cling to it. Don't let that out of your life. If it's good for you. You know. Some people tried Bible reading one year, and they say, man, that was was good for me. That really helped me. But then they don't tackle it next year. Or they start a practice of, okay, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to spend a little time in the Bible here, or I'm going to spend a little time meditating. And after a week, they say, that is really helpful. That changed my attitude for the whole day. Well, Paul says, cling to it. Don't let go of it. That's good for you. Hold on to it. Keep doing it. Okay. Sincere love, hate what's evil, cling to what's good. And like I said, these don't seem to be too related or connected or anything. He just says next, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Now, the, the key here is the brotherly part. Uh, he's talking about a family love. Okay? Now, we agape everybody. We want the best for everybody, and we understand what that word means. But he's talking here about family. He says, be devoted to your Christian family. Uh, And when we think of how to do that, uh, some people are more easily adopted into the family than others. Okay? God adopts everybody into the family. He, he doesn't have any problems with that. But sometimes somebody comes to our family that isn't a whole lot like us. They're still in the family. 
They're different than us, but and it's harder for us. It's not that we don't want to. It's not that we're prejudiced or bigoted or whatever the case may be. It's just human nature. It's hard for us. Sometimes people preach or write about that and say, you know, well, Christians, the Christian congregation ought to be from very, very poor to very, very rich. There ought to be all these people and there shouldn't be any difference and all that. I agree with that, but that's hard for human nature. They've done tests, they've done studies and surveys of people in every kind of situation or every kind of lifestyle or whatever, and there's a bracket of income and culture and social standing and all that that people are comfortable with it. No matter where you are, if you're very, very poor or very, very rich, there's this area where you're comfortable. Outside of that, we don't quite know how to act. I'm not saying that ought to be. I'm just saying that's human nature. So if we are going to do this, be devoted to one another and brother and love, sometimes we have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to work at it. And I think we're pretty good at that around Northside, but I know we could be better. I know we could do better at that. Uh, we need to work at that. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Now, we got a lot of brotherly love here. Uh, we're going to have a reunion in uh, September. We've announced a little bit about it uh, because this is the 75th anniversary of Northside this year. And the committee's been formed and come up with some good ideas and pick the date, September 27, 28, write that down. Uh, I saw folks at the women's conference this weekend uh, that I told about that. I said, hey, we're having a reunion. Okay, why did I do that? Because I'm devoted to them in brotherly love. You know, I was thrilled to see them. Ladies I hadn't seen in a few years, perhaps. Some of them come every year. Some of them I hadn't seen in a long, long time. And I said, man, you've got to come to the reunion. You know, so, so we are devoted to one another in brotherly love in a lot of ways. But my point is we've got to, got to work at it somewhere, some ways. Uh, the Women's Conference, a great picture of that. You just stand around and watch and people running into each other and hugging and all this. I haven't seen each other in a year. They're devoted to one another. It's a big family. Yeah. Uh, the uh, reunion coming up September 27, 28, by the way, is going to be a Saturday-Sunday affair and got all sorts of activities that uh, I think you will enjoy and we'll get you together with some of your old friends or some of your new ones if you're new to Northside. We'll celebrate Northside's history. Uh, the church... Just because I use that illustration about social standing, the church isn't a social club. You know, there's a difference. And that's what Paul's telling us here. We ought to be able to, to get that difference. Uh, I love each other in brotherly love. All right, so we've got time for another one. Uh, honor one another above yourselves. 
Honor one another above yourselves. Uh, I think we do pretty good at that here at Northside. Uh, we may have a, a few that want to honor themselves, but not many. Uh, that's death to a to a church, to a congregation, to it's really death to any kind of organization where somebody wants all the glory. When somebody wants all the honor. When they want to talk about them all the time. When you start talking to them, the conversation has got a whole lot of eyes in it. You know, I did this. They want to tell you I did this, and here's what I did for you, and all that. Paul says, shouldn't be many eyes in the conversation. Ought to be a lot of he's and she's. Did you know that he did this? Did you know what she did in this situation? Man, that was great. We ought to be honoring each other above ourselves. Uh, it's a rare thing in this world. We get a lot of people seeking all the glory of themselves. I was trying to think of an example, and I was thinking about uh, athletics and how it's usually so me-focused. Uh, and I remembered the old track and track days. Uh, some of you that ran track or follow track know what a rabbit is. Know what a rabbit is in a track race? It's somebody that will go out and set the pace for somebody that's a really good runner. Like Jim Ryan, when he was running the mile in high school and all that, they usually had one some one kid from East that was the rabbit. He had to be a pretty good runner himself, but he had to run the first two laps or three laps of the mile as fast as he could go knowing that he could never finish the race that way. He would fade on the fourth lap. He was liable to take last in the race because he ran it faster than he could for a whole race for three laps so that he had set the pace for Jim Ryan. And then after three laps, he'd be whipped. But Ryan would be on pace to finish the race in world record time, perhaps. Okay, A rabbit gives himself up. A rabbit makes sure the other guy gets the glory. Okay, That's a real rare thing in any kind of sport. Uh, we see it in team play sometimes where a team really gives uh, themselves up for the glory. I think Wichita State this year did that as well as anybody I've ever seen. Uh, but there's still not many examples of it in athletics. In the church, though, it ought to be the standard. We ought to always be giving up ourselves for somebody else to get the glory. Honor one another above yourself. And it's, it's not just about making sure somebody gets glorified for something. It's so they can be successful. I know I've talked a lot about conference today, but that's what makes conference successful, I think. I mentioned it this morning, that everybody just submits to everybody else. There's not a hierarchy. We, I mean, you know, Clayton's head of the men in black. Uh, he's an elder. And I didn't see him get treated like an elder this weekend. You know, people were telling him what to do. You know, Clayton, go do this. This needs done. 
Yeah, I mean, that's how submitting to one another works. Yeah, I, I joked this morning about the girls calling me pastor, but I was just taking orders. You know, go get this person, go do this, go, go pick this person up. That's the way it ought to be. Somebody else ought to be getting the honor. If we all did that, the place works. The, the, the place functions a whole lot better. Okay. Um, that's not the next one. A little complicated. It ties a couple things together. So we'll tackle it next week. But there's four or five things off of our to-do list that hopefully you understand a little bit better. Uh, we'll tackle the rest of them or many as we can next week and see if we can finish our to-do list. But uh, work on those this week. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. We'll finish next week. This evening, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we'd be happy to help you in any way. Uh, Brother Carl's going to come lead a song. Let's stand and sing.